Uh, you're going to open up a can of claw and a can of whoop ass during this podcast. I love it. Already the whoop ass on you this game week. Oh, damn. You're an asshole. All right, let's get it going. <laughs> Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. Game week 14 is now officially in the books, and your two hosts have notably had a total turn of fate during the month of October. Brian, you're on a major come up, uh, rising up in the global ranks, and I am dropping down like I have cement boots put on me by the mob. So let's <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get after it this episode. How are we doing, Brian? Bucks, I want to hear about your experience for Halloween with your little one. Do you do some trick-or-treating? It really looks like you probably would have had to dress up like a ghost because that is what your team did to you this weekend. Your FPL team ghosted you in a major way. So let's hear about the, the spooky uh, things happening around the Bucks bomb household. Yeah, thank God we have like three huge bags of candy to make up for the sour taste that my FPL team left in my mouth. I am binging hard on Skittles, Kit Kat bars, high chews. Park Slope really knows how to celebrate Halloween. And so we did it big. We did three nights of different variations Ooh. of trick-or-treating. It was great. Uh, the only returns I got were of the candy variety because my FPL team sucked bigly. <laughs> Sounds like you had some probably late nights with the, the sugar highs and then uh, came crashing down. How did you do in game week 14, Bucks? Ah, another tough game week, 48 points all out and a big red arrow for that effort. I have fallen from inside the top 150K overall uh, going into game week 12. And now I sit at 680,000 in the world. Uh, so in just the last three game weeks, I've uh, I've pretty much had a 300% decrease in my rank. So not what you want to see. Safe to say I'm having an especially spooky and scary month of FPL. Uh, only highlights in my team were Trippier with 11 points, who was actually someone I considered captaining. I got a clean sheet return from Ramsdale, and I got a return in a goal from Martinelli. But I decided to go differential, captained Darwin Nunez, and he really let me down. He had a number of quality chances that he didn't even get close to scoring into the back of the net. So really frustrating game week. And yeah, I deserved it. I've had a, uh, a pretty painful uh, last couple of game weeks from a decision-making perspective. I'm excited for the World Cup to come and rescue me. And hopefully at that point, I can right the ship and get my season back on track. Let's go to you, Brian. You had a much better experience in game week 14. Look, Bucks, you're in a tough spot. You've had a rough month of October. I think we put that behind us. Look, we're both having a little bit of a, a rough start to the season, but... We have a lot of ground to make up and hope our picks on the other side of the wild card will really come through for us. I also got a red arrow this game week, but I posted 64 points. So it was a, it was a small red arrow and feeling pretty positive about my team overall. My defense, whew, that's where all my points came from, baby. Pickford, the legend, finally delivers a double-digit goalie haul versus Fulham. 11 points. Max bonus. Oh, that looks beautiful. And then Kehi and Trippier and Cancelo all get clean sheets. Trips adds 11 points. So that was pretty positive. Going into this game week, knowing that Holland was hurt, I actually just straight-up captain Salah over him rather than slap the vice on him. And that came in for 14 points. Can't complain too much about it. I was actually, honestly, probably hoping for Holland to make a cameo. Would have loved to see a lot of those owners possibly get two points. And then the, the gulf would have been a little bit wider for my solid captaincy. But overall, uh, a few other just unfortunate results across the team. Zaha blanks and gets a yellow card. Tony gets a yellow card suspended for next week. And he'll be a topic of conversation later in the pod. And then Mitro also picks up a yellow card and gets one point. So, um, then we also have Foden with one point. So a lot of one-pointers from my top attackers, whereas my defense delivered. 64 points. I'm very happy with that, even though it was a red arrow and the team is in good shape with two free transfers. Yeah, I'm also with two free transfers. And notable, Brian, this is a sign of where your season is now at, that you beat the average, but you still earn a small red arrow. So congratulations 
to you for uh, turning it around and uh, on a real ascension up the global ranks uh, before the wild card in World Cup break. So uh, bravo. Yeah, very slow starts the season for me. I finally have sorted out my keeper slot, and that's paying some dividends the last couple of weeks with Pickford getting some clean sheets. I think this week, the main reason why you and I both got red arrows were a few factors. Neither of us had Miggy or had somebody like Callum who had huge double digit hauls. And we also had no Jesus in our team. And Jesus is still Jesus. He's still 50% owned. And, you know, a lot of the teams that started off the season who are actually just dead teams got his big nine points up front, whereas you and I had like Miro or Tony or some, you know, combination of a one pointer. And I think that actually really hurt, um, you know, my overall rank in terms of where I slotted in um, with the 64 points. So great ish feeling for me, but ready to move forward. Let's talk about the manager of the game week. Yeah. So worth noting. Average score this game week was 59 points total. So Brian beats it. I fall pretty far short. But the manager of the game week, Judy Holland. I don't know if there's a relation to Erling Holland, but uh, the way she performed (laughs) this game week, I think she's just as hot as he is. Her team name is Go Harland Go. And they scored 86 points total to top the scoring in the FPL Blues podcast mini league. The team was absolutely packed with returns. She vice-captained Rashford, and he comes good with a goal, 16 points total from her captaincy position. She has Almiron adds 12, KDB and Trippier each add 11, Jesus and Delo each add 9, and Tarkowski and Ben White rounded out with a half dozen apiece. So bravo, Judy. Excellent game week. Excellent showing from your squad. Well done. And then looking at the top of the table in the FPL Blues Super League, we have in first position, Hollandaise Saus, 878 points, a very impressive lead over the second place manager, Disgrazio FC, who's on 860. So a nice 18 point cushion at the top of the table there. Then we have Wu Tang Huang with 859 and Spain without the S with 856. Yeah, congratulations to all the managers towards the top of our mini league table. Want to just shout out these four managers. They are all notably comfortably in the top five digit of the global rankings. Uh, Hollande Saus is actually ranked inside the top 10K. So really, really great start to the season. We're only about a third of the way through, uh, but just really impressive from all four of these managers. And once we get to position five through 20, it starts getting really bunched up. So just really emphasizes how impressive Hollandaise Saus is doing with an 18 point lead at the top. Uh, Five through 20, I think have a total of 10 points between them. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna be saying that name on quite a number of podcasts coming up here for the rest of the season. All right, Bucks, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with a recap of the game week that was and discuss some of the top performers and top floppers as well. We'll be right back. We're back. Let's dive into game week 14. Now let's do a quick recap. Uh, specifically, let's look at the teams at the top of the table and how they fared in game week 14, starting with the number one spot. Arsenal just absolutely roll. Uh, it almost doesn't matter who is in their attack and who is slotting in at defense because they are so solid and so steady so far this season. They are very well deserving of that top spot at the table. I know there's a lot of talk on Twitter and in the overall Premier League community about how Man City are really the juggernaut that every team is hoping to beat at the end of 38 game weeks. But right now, Arsenal are the team to beat and they are setting the pace at a really strong level. Uh, So they roll against Nottingham Forest 5-0. But Saka is really the only dark spot in this game week as he goes down with a knock. It's kind of his second knock in the last three games. So that's a little bit of a concern and we will wait for press conferences as he has that little flag next to his name in the official FPL game. 
but it didn't seem oh, to have Bucks. any impact. Bucks, this was a unfortunate event for Saka owners as a non-owner and a manager who is very close to bringing him in for Zaha this game week. I was going to be behind my couch, and I know a lot of folks had him as their vice captain with Holland captain. So he gets an assist in the first 15 minutes and it just looks like they're going to pour it on and they went to do so. But unfortunately he picks up a, a kick in the back of the foot and he tries to go on, goes down again and is pulled off. So this was you know tough for you as, as a owner, but for me, Oh man, I was like, send him down the tunnel. We don't need him to rack up the goals and the assists He's going to be on bonus if he gets another return. And so I was uh, dodged that that soccer like bullet with him getting only a four pointer and the rest of the squad just laid it on his cameo substitute. Wow. Reese Nelson. Yeah. What a player. What a start to your Arsenal career coming on as a sub for Bakayo Saka. Expectations could not be higher with arguably their most informed player leaving the pitch. And uh, I don't think they dropped a beat at all. He was exceptional and he was one of the co-players uh, of the game week in game week 14. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Next up, let's go to Man City. They end up getting another return in the table. But this was a lot closer of a contest than I think many expected. Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen Leicester really turn it around from a defensive perspective. No Holland on the pitch. And it was a very close match. Um, you know, we see the difference being a wonderfully taken free kick from the mastermind KDB. He gets his second goal of the season. And I think he got max bonus as well for that in this 1-0 victory. I think... What this really shows is the defensive change for Leicester over the last, let's say, six plus game weeks is a real thing. And we will pay attention to them when we ha are on our wild card transfer unlimited spin. And I think they're they have some cheap assets and they've been playing really well. So got to got to hand it to Leicester to keep them just to a one zero um, finish. Yeah, and really, if not for that magisterial moment from KDB, this would have been 0-0 because uh, neither team really created many great chances. And I would argue, actually, Leicester had some of the better chances from open play. Yeah, I mean, looking at the XG, it was Leicester with 0.69 and Man City with 0.7. So basically dead even. And that's kind of what played out other than the just impressive overall skill of one Kevin De Bruyne. Next up, let's go to Spurs. Spurs end up coming back. They look terrible in the first half. That was a miserable showing away at Bournemouth. And they charge back from 2-0 down and get the win in extra time from, I think it was their 16th corner kick of the match. So really <laughs> impressive, resilient performance from Spurs. And I think that's just some of Conte's magic that the team always believes that they can get back into the game. It is a little bit of shades of Sir Alex Ferguson, but I think Alex Ferguson uh, did more of the business in the first 90 minutes of the match than Conte's side often does. So uh, just really a good win, uh, a win you got to get if you are going to, in fact, end up with a top four finish for Tottenham. So a good result for them. I think this is a bigger analysis on the entire Tottenham squad where Conte has got them to really buy in and have the rest of the squad just confident in their chances, right? We saw goals from Sessegnon. We see a goal, the winner from Bentoncourt. And then today in Champions League, we're recording on Tuesday night, they come from behind again and they beat Marseille in extra time. And Hoiberg is the goal scorer. So even though they have world worldies, in the likes of Kane and Son, they weren't involved in the last, you know, five goals for this Tottenham side, but they're figuring out ways to pull out these wins. And that's the sign of a good team because you're not going to be at the top of your game all the time. And Conte has done a good job about making sure they're galvanized and ready to take the pitch and take their chances when they can. So the top three remain unchanged in the league table, but we should talk about our team, Chelsea, next. Uh, Brighton really oh my spoiled. God. Uh, this Bucks. is going to be a, this is going to be even sadder than the recap of my last few game weeks uh, when we talk about Potter's return to the Amex uh, back where he built it at Brighton and they got smashed. 
they gave him a burning fiery bag of shit poop in a brown paper bag and they ran away with this game it was over in the first half that's that's fair to say first 10 minutes it it did not look like the chelsea squad was up for this and it really felt like there was a vendetta out against potter they absolutely destroyed chelsea it was it was embarrassing i wanted to turn it off but obviously as a supporter i want to you know watch the team and see who can try and expend some extra energy and get back into the match but this was an ass kicking obviously we had a few unfortunate own goals in this match but even with that being said we got outplayed thoroughly in almost nine out of the uh, 11 slots on the pitch and then keppa goes out with injury so those who brought him in on wild card are now stuck with probably danny ward which is looking like it's actually a decent play so they're they're very fortunate that they they got that cheap backup keeper and don't have to waste the transfer on on him. And then we see, oh, once again, Trossard gets another goal. So a couple of weeks ago, you and I moved Foden to or whoever to get Trossard in for NFO. And then he blanks. We trade him out, like at Foden in, and then back-to-back hauls for Trossard and then one-pointers for Foden. Oh, so FPL. It's very frustrating that many managers move heaven and earth to bring in Trossard for Forrest, where he does absolutely nothing, almost less than nothing. And then, of course, against City and against Chelsea, two historically top defenses. I'd say City is more of that still to this day. He gets beautiful returns uh, for the FPL managers that kept the faith. Super frustrating 4-1 defeat of Chelsea at the hand of Brighton. But one thing we should just mention here. Potter is really rotating this Chelsea squad to an absurd level. And I think that is starting to grow concerning for the long-term plan here because you can't be a serious team contending for titles, going deep in tournaments, if you don't know who your best 11 is. And it seems like Potter has no clue how to get the best 11 on the pitch and get the most out of them. So I think he's been there for 10 games now or nearly 10 games, and we haven't seen the same lineup once. So that is just very frustrating. Uh, Back to back, you have no sense of security for any of their players in FPL. And now that Kepa's out, he was the only player that started every game under Potter. So uh, I think there's a lot of unknowns still at Chelsea, and I don't trust them at this point going into the World Cup wildcard. Yeah, look, we're both down on them as supporters of the club. I would say that it's felt like they've put a little bit more priority on the Champions League lineups and winning that group and making sure that they have a positive uh, route in UCL versus the kind of rotation that we've seen against some kind of lower oppositions in the Premier League. So I think they're going to be fine overall. It's just for FPL. There isn't really anybody until Reese James comes back that I'm going to want in my side. That's a bit of a bummer, but it leaves at least a pure watch every time the Chelsea Blues play. And you and I don't have to sweat team sheets knowing that we own Kukurea or own Mason Mount or something like that. So, um, you know, overall, better days ahead. But this one was a house of horrors for Graham Potter to return and they kicked his ass right out of there. Yeah, and he deserved that loss big time. Next up, Newcastle. So with Chelsea dropping out, you know, Newcastle take the reins on that fourth position, a Champions League spot, and they are for real. I think they are the most important team to target at this point in the FPL season. Their offense is clicking on all cylinders, and their defense looks really stout. They dominated Villa 4-0. We should shout out Miguel Almiron. He's going to get a lot of airtime this episode he is the hottest player in the fpl game he has six goals in his last six games he is leading newcastle's line together with Callum wilson as an out of position second striker and that formula is really working because once again newcastle topped the xg numbers this game week they tallied 4.19 xg against villa and even though they had one less goal than Arsenal. They were statistically, uh, based on the the advanced stats, better than Arsenal from a goal-scoring perspective. So really impressive from them. And all of their assets are dirt cheap. It's like going to the bargain bin and pulling out a piece of uh, gold and seeing that it's named Almiron. And you and I are probably both Almorin 
in terms of having him be our fifth attacking cheap asset on our side if he's going to continue this pace. And more so, I think the overall team, like you said, they're playing really well. They're creating chances. The side had over four XG in this match, which is phenomenal. And they score four goals. They're keeping clean sheets, trips on baseline bonus like a madman. There's so much to like, and especially with Callum Wilson healthy, that this team has a lot of upside in the second half because we've also seen that ASM has been hurt maybe last like eight game weeks. Isak has been in and out of the lineup. He's been really injured. They're going to get some more depth back on the other side of the World Cup. So this is a team that is really very serious and competing with the likes of Chelsea, Manchester United, and Tottenham, etc. for top UCL contention. Just want to shout out some stats for reference. Man City have scored six goals twice this season. Both times they've only registered XG in the threes. So that's really impressive and just shows how clinical Newcastle have been. They're moving the ball great and they're scoring easy chances. It's not like they're converting worldies. They're just putting the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis. And I just wanted to check what the XG was for Liverpool when they put up that nine tally. When they scored nine against Bournemouth, their XG was 4.86. So only nominally better than this Newcastle team did against Villa in this, you know, a, a good ass kicking on the playground. But it wasn't like a, a you know, they weren't scoring goals at near double digits. So it just shows they're really clinical. They're hitting the back of the net with regularity. And it's not a fluke. It's not a fluke whatsoever this is a real team and i expect they are going to be one to watch in the january transfer window following the world cup and that segues us perfectly into talking about the top performers and one callum the truth wilson 19 points gets the quadruple return wow those quad returns you'd love to see it two goals two assists max bonus Great day at the office for Callum the Truth Wilson, and he has seen some impressive price rises already this week as we are going to see Tony disqualified for the Nottingham Forest match. So a lot of players are flocking to him, and rightfully so. He's on pens, and he's going to continue this versus Southampton this weekend. Agreed. Co-player of the game week is Reese Nelson. We teased him earlier in the episode. Young player for Arsenal, and he showed extreme class. Subbed on for Bakayo Saka. He makes a real impression with two goals and an assist, as well as the clean sheet point and three bonus. When he subbed on, I was like, who the Dusseldorf is this? I do not know this player very well. I've not been watching Arsenal in Europa, so maybe he's been um, showing his class there. But hey, he took his opportunity. Well done to him. And I think I saw two players out of all 10.5 million. Captain Reese Nelson this game week. That is unbelievable because he has played zero Premier League minutes until this game week. So very interesting to see that two people have captained him in their side. Um, all right, moving on. Miggy Almiron, we talked about him recently. We're just going to say that he had 12 points, a goal, assist, clean sheet, it was a Galazzo as well. It was very impressively taken. Third straight double-digit haul. 5.6, probably will be 5.7 million by the end of this game week. Get him in if you are interested in a midfielder. Nothing more to say here, right, Bucks? Well, it's his third straight double-digit haul, and I would say he scored pretty much the same goal three game weeks in a row. So that's his move, using his speed and uh, cutting low, moving inside against the defender, uh, getting into the box, and then smashing it to the far post. Really impressive. And uh, his speed is a real threat. And he, I think he pairs so nicely with Callum Wilson. Uh, Newcastle have something going with those two. Yeah, and it takes pressure off of Callum as well to have somebody else who's in form and not having to shoulder the entire load um, from a defensive point of view and score the goals. So I think it's freeing up Callum as well. So they got a good thing going on at the moment. And in the past, we've seen Eddie Howe really employ kind of two informed players, Ryan Frazier and Callum Wilson at Bournemouth one season were both phenomenal. I think they both had over 15 FPL returns each in a season and they were dirt cheap. So this is giving me shades of that attacking prowess as well. 
Yeah, and I can't even imagine what they're going to look like once Isak is eventually healthy, but that's uh, for a different podcast. Next up, KDB. We mentioned his wonder goal. He ends up with 11 points. He gets the game winner, clean sheet, and three bonus. Uh, just a great, a great performance. It's what we've come to expect from KDB. He has distinguished himself as arguably the best midfielder in the world right now. And I think he's creeping into all-time great conversations from a Premier League perspective. Uh, he's just been doing it so well for so long. Uh, he's Mr. Consistent, and he always puts on these amazing performances when the team needs it most. Pep has the utmost faith in him. They've been working together for over seven years at the Etihad. And uh, I think in the recent press conference, Pep was like, I've done everything but sleep with KDB. I, I know him when he's in form, when he's out of form. I know how to push his buttons. And uh, very funny to see Pep say that in the presser. But KDB as a whole, I think it's just interesting because a lot of us chased the explosivity of Foden after he had a couple hauls. And then he inexplicably gets benched for a few game weeks in a row. Whereas anybody who had either the triple up in the attack for Man City are flying or that they just went and skipped Foden and captain KDB the last couple of game weeks. So huge 11 points, a lot of captaincy there. And I think that's also something that really punished us in terms of overall rank. Yeah, great shout. Keeping it moving here in Trippier. He ends up with 11 points. I notably learned how to pronounce his name because he's featured in the top performers so frequently. He ends up with 11 points, clean sheet, assist, and two bonus points. He's an absolute bonus points machine and magnet. I feel like every time they get a clean sheet, he doesn't even have to play the full 90. He's going to get at least one bonus. I was watching the fantasy football scout video for this week, the scout cast, and his baseline bonus is one bonus per five minutes so he is if they're cleaning he's getting a bonus even if he doesn't get an assist or a goal it's incredible he's been the i would say the second best fantasy asset the entire season just behind holland lastly jordan pickford another player in brian's team he gets 11 hey. points. yeah brian you've really turned the corner regarding the goalkeeper returns so you get 11 points from this guy, clean sheet, two save points. He ends up on six saves and they were critical saves uh, to say the least. And he gets max bonus three points. So really nice game for Everton. Uh, I think they are really impressive team in front of their home crowd. And that's something we need to be mindful of. Home cooking is playing a big factor this season, especially for defenses. So uh, just something to watch as we go into the World Cup and roll it forward. Yeah, and this one was his first clean sheet away from home this season. So they clean Fulham at Craven Cottage. So this was a big um, result. And frankly, you know, Mitro had, oof, I want to say eight or 10 shots towards goal. None of them were very good. And that really helped him um, in Pickford make a few saves. And also in that match, I think a lot of us had Andreas as their first bench and he put on a few shots. He actually was the top chance creator this game week. He created seven chances, but again, the class on the end of those chances was not very good and Mitro did not convert. So I was very stoked to get 11 points and that, that saved my game week. Otherwise it would have been uh, right down in the dumps with you this game week bucks. Yeah. Just me on FPL blues watch this game week. Let's go to the floppers quickly. You just touched on one of them. Mitrovic. If he had more shots than most of the teams in the premier league, this game <laughs> week, uh, he scuffed at least three field goal tries way over the net into the crowd. And he missed at least another 10 or so. Uh, he just was very wasteful. He got tons of chances. Fulham were clearly the better team and they were closer to the win, but it was all for naught because Mitro was so wasteful. So uh, blank from him, not ideal uh, for FPL managers, considering next he has Manchester City followed by Manchester United. So uh, we've been talking about some of the players on our watch list. Mitrovic is one of the players that might be sacrificed in this upcoming transfer window. Yeah, definitely have a few tough matches coming up, but I think he's really proven that he can continue to be in the right 
positions to get those chances and is good in the air. So I think a lot of us will have a Sako or a Tony or other problems throughout our squad to deal with. And maybe you bench Mitro for this game week, or you just start him and hope he maybe gets a pen or a header versus City. They have let up a few more goals, only six clean sheets in 14 matches for City this year. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Mitro nicks some points this game week. Moving on, let's talk about Ivan Tony. He gets this fifth yellow card of the season, and that earns him a suspension when we need him most. This is crazy, Bucks. Both times we've had popular assets like Tony or Madison coming up on a really cupcake fixture. They pick up their fifth yellow card right before the moment we actually need them, and now they're out of that match. So a lot of us will be moving Tony on. Yeah, great shout Heirs of James Madison with a silly yellow card in extra time. Tony does the same thing. Uh, totally needless. So he was already on blank. He ends up on one point. Huge, huge disappointment. I mean, to plan transfers to get in a guy like Madison, to get in a guy like Tony targeting this Nottingham Forest fixture, only to have them miss it because of their own stupidity, their own rash decision-making. Uh, not what you want to see. Totally not ideal. But with that, Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll look at game week 15. Hold on, hold on, Bucks. I'm not letting you get out of here without saying the other flopper, Darwin Nunez. Wow, another two-pointer. Unfortunately, he does not come through versus Leeds, which should have been a good fixture. He ends up being a captain. Ha, 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 ha. Have to laugh at you for this failed captaincy shout. Yeah, you had to rub it in, my guy. All right, we're back with the FPL Blues podcast. We're going to take a look at game week 15, Fulham at Man City. A lot of FPL managers will have upwards of four or maybe even five of these players from these teams. So, Bucks, how do you see this one playing out? Well, it all is going to come down to whether Holland is fit to start or not. Uh, there are reports that he might have ligament damage in his ankle. There are other reports yeah, saying... Ouch. Yeah, there are other reports saying that he was rested against Sevilla out of pure precaution just to give him some extra time to heal and that he's most likely set to start against Fulham. But uh, who knows with Pep? I am expecting, regardless of if he plays or not, I think City score three goals at least. So I think it's 3-0 to City. But I think if Holland plays, that it could be four or five. Um, let's see what happens. Wow, not giving any credit to the six highest goal scoring team in the premier league in Fulham. I think they could nick one, you know, this could be a two Oh, you know, they're cruising away for victory and then maybe Mitro gets a header or something. Uh, interesting to see Fulham with 22 goals this season ahead of teams like Chelsea and Manchester United, who are also supposed to be very classy in front of goal. So I could see this being a pretty cruisy victory and you want to have your triple up, Holland is definitely a captaincy option. If we hear in the press conferences on Friday that he's fit, I would not sell Holland by any means. I think Holland is a keep through the World Cup, or at least until we hear more updates one way or another that he is fully exactly. fit, or is he fully set to miss out and be put on the training board for a couple of game weeks time. Next game we want to highlight to target for returns is Manchester United traveling to face Villa. Villa are a very bipolar team at the moment. They came out with a new manager bounce and smashed Brentford. And then that quickly wore off. The shine was all gone because they got bossed by Newcastle. So let's see what happens in this game week against hosting United. Uh, I'm expecting this to be 3-1. Let me revise that. I'm expecting 2-1 to United. Yeah, I like that shout. I think we're going to see... Unai Emery on the sideline for the first time. I think he just got his work visa permit accepted. So this will be the first time he's actually on the sideline that could give the boost to the team and he'll be able to issue his tactical instructions from the pitch. So moving forward, United, if you have Delo, he's a player that you would happily start in this match and he has four occasions this 
season where he's gotten all max three bonus points when Manchester United clean. So I love that upside and hopefully he'll be chipping in some attacking returns as well. Speaking of Delo, uh, that is just adding insult to injury this game week because he was slotted in as my second bench and those nine points went a calling on my bench. They did not come into my side. I really could have used those points more than most. So uh, they go begging, but Next one up, let's go to the team that we've been praising in a big way. That is Newcastle. They travel to play against Southampton. I have no aspersions of Southampton getting the three points in this one. I think it's 3-0 to Newcastle. Yeah, I'm not sure how to call this match. I wonder if it's a bit of a trap where all of FPL heads towards Callum and Miggy and wants to get a piece of their big returns over the last few game weeks. I think both of them have scored over 24 points in the last couple of game weeks. I wonder if this is a small trap. I would still be bringing in those players with confidence, but maybe tempering expectations a little bit and seeing if they uh, score less goals in this one. The side for Southampton actually recently have played pretty well. So if we look at the last four matches in the Premier League, Southampton has given up exactly one goal in each of those matches. We have a 1-1 draw with West Ham. They beat Bournemouth 1-0, then they draw versus Arsenal. And then this past weekend, they lost 1-0 at Crystal Palace. So the defense for Southampton has shored up a little bit and might not be a whipping boy fixture. I think they'll clean, but might not be a huge 3-0 or 4-0 like all of FPL managers would want. That's a good nugget, Brian, but I should add that Arsenal in that fixture, that was almost a schedule loss because Arsenal were playing that late Europa League makeup fixture. So they came in very tired with less than 72 hours turnaround between when they played PSV to when they had to play a brutal Premier League match against Southampton. So I think we can chuck that one out. I think on a fully healthy, fully fit day, uh, Arsenal would have uh, thrown that stat right into the waste bucket. Moving forward, let's look at the matches that us footy fanatics are going to be watching closely. The pure watches include Arsenal traveling to Stanford Bridge to play against Chelsea. Brian, please, let's ask our listeners to pray for both of us because I think this game could get quite ugly as Arsenal are massively in form and Chelsea are not. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you need our supporters to pray for me because I'm going to lose all of my beauty sleep. This match is at 4 a.m., on Sunday morning because of daylight savings. So all of the matches on Saturday are pushed back. And so I get some extra sleep on Saturday, but Sunday morning, 4 a.m., woof, that is going to be tough on the eyelids. That's why we are an audio-only podcast because my face is normally radio-ready and uh, at 4 a.m., so will yours. (laughs) Keeping it moving, the last match we want to highlight is Liverpool traveling to the new White Hart Lane to face off against Tottenham. I think this is actually going to be the most interesting match of the weekend. There's so much left to be learned about both these teams and where they are going to trend over the course of the season. So we know Liverpool are not off to a great start and Tottenham are actually getting great results, though they might not look like a team that's massively informed. So I think this is going to be a big time prove it match before the World Cup. And I'm expecting... I think Arsenal-Chelsea will be 2-0 to Arsenal. I think Liverpool-Spurs will be 2-2. Did you just say 2-0? We're getting goose-egged when we play at the bridge versus Arsenal? No way that's happening. I'm saying a 1-1 draw with Arsenal. It's going to be a cagey affair. But this Liverpool-Spurs match is going to be very interesting because we just saw Sonny Boy go out, I think, with a concussion during UCL. So he's likely going to miss this match. There's no sign of Kulu either. Yeesh, that does not look like it's going to be a good time for Spurs. So I have no idea who's going to score the goals in this one. I will happily start Mo Salah or you start Darwin Nunez if you have him. But other than that, it's a bit of a toss-up, to be honest. You know Lucas Mora is getting all the tickets he can to bring his family out, his friends out, because he's going to be starting, baby. <laughs> all righty, we're going to take a quick break and come back with with the community questions before wrapping up the pod with our transfer and captaincy shouts. We'll be right back.
All right, we're here. Community questions. Let's open up the mailbag, starting with mailbag. Oh, starting with a question from Andy Villamore. He asks, what bold moves can someone make to get out of the bottom half of the table? I'll even expand this, Andy. What moves can a manager who's in a rut in earning a number of red arrows take to change the jujus and get some hauls going into the World Cup wildcard? Oh, you know what it's like, Bucks, when you're in that rut, you need a slump buster. You need one of those easy W's so you can rise in the ranks. And I think when you look at Erling Holland possibly being injured, maybe his minutes are managed even more closely, even if he does look like he's going to play. I highly doubt he's going to play the full 90 like we've been seeing him. So Right now is a good opportunity to own Holland and captain somebody else. I think that is what I would do if I was in the lower ranks. And then I think, again, for the rest of the season, when you are in a lower position in your mini leagues, I would focus on taking punts in your slots that aren't very expensive. So we've seen a lot of people jump on Miggy very quickly. In that kind of five to seven million pound bracket, especially for the midfielders that could pop off. We've seen a Trossard get a triple return. Maybe Rashford becomes that guy and he could see double returns in the future. I think that's where you want to take your punts on your squad and then use the rest of the premier players like a Holland, like a Trips, like a Cancelo as your shields and use those other guys as differentials. Yeah, I got two names to throw out. Uh, We mentioned Callum Wilson. He's obviously being mentioned left and right center. He's owned by almost 10% of the game. So I think he could be a real captaincy option in this game week. I would say the same thing about Trippier, but he's almost 63% owned. So if you captain him, you're, you're just hoping for the clean sheet and bonus to double up your mini league mates. That could be a nice return. But the differential, I think, is Rodrigo for Leeds. He's less than 7% owned. I have not seen many managers on Twitter or uh, the content creators shouting him out, but I think he is a player that has scored twice in two game weeks. Leeds are playing against Bournemouth at home, so I really like his potential for a return, and I think he's just so much more informed than Bamford is right now that I expect he will lock up that out-of-position forward spot. So that's what I'm expecting, and I think that result against Liverpool is going to give that Leeds team massive amounts of confidence. So Rodrigo would be my differential play of this game week. Interesting bucks. Thanks for sharing that take. And then we have a few other questions that focus on the midfielders. Owen asks, I can't swap out Tony for Wilson. So I'm thinking about focusing my transfer in the midfield. Should I look at replacing Zaha this game week who plays at West Ham? Or should I focus on somebody like Trossard or Rashford? And Amar Solanke has the same question. He says, rank Amar has the same question. He wants us to rank Rashford, Trossard, and Almiron for the next two game weeks. So let's address Owen's question first. So I am not racing to sell Zaha. And the reason is, is because in game week 16, he plays Nottingham Forest. And we've spoken now for almost 20 podcast episodes this season. And the repeat truism on this podcast, almost becoming a commandment for FPL is to target Forrest whenever is possible. And so I don't see value in hokey cokeying a player like Zaha out of our team because next game week, he probably is going to be one of the most popular transfer players in. So I think just hold him. I think that West Ham match, they are now moved on goalkeepers. So Fabianski is out. Ariola, the backup, he is probably a 1B is in. So I I see Crystal Palace have a shot to nab a goal or two. I, I don't hate the sticking with Zaha for two more game weeks until the World Cup wild card. So that's my take on that. Regarding ranking the players for Amar, uh, we really should have Amar on this podcast. He has shown a great consistency in the FPL game. So Amar, when you listen, we will be uh, hitting up your agent to book you for an upcoming episode. My ranking of those three players, Rashford, Trossard, and Almiron, I would go Almiron, Rashford, Trossard at this point in the season. Uh, You can't ignore the form of Miggy. I love the fact that Rashford is almost nailed to play out of position as a striker. So he's closer to goal. Trossard's been playing 
a little bit too much as a wing back at times. So uh, that just spooks me a little bit. So for me, for Bucks, Almiron, Rashford, Trossard. Brian, what's your take there? I mean, based on the value that Almiron is projecting right now, and he's playing Southampton, I think that's the move. It will feel like a lot of managers flock to him because he's the hot commodity right now. And that's for good reason. So I, I do rate Almiron as well. And then the home fixture versus Chelsea. Chelsea's been giving up a few goals here and there later. You could see either Callum or Almiron scoring in that one. I wouldn't be afraid to start him versus Chelsea. Rashford versus Trossard is a much closer call. Both of those players have very similar expected goal involvements. Right now, over the past four game weeks, if we're looking at some of the form, Rashford 0.60 XGI, whereas Trossard is at 0.67. So not much in between it. I would then, between those two players, I would almost lean towards Trossard because both of Manchester United's fixtures are away. Away at Villa and away at Fulham. Whereas if you go with somebody like Trossard, you're going to be away at Wolves, which is a great fixture and then home versus Villa who just gave up four goals in Newcastle. So not much in it, but these are the types of punts that you should be focusing on to try and jump rank. So uh, really try and look at those players closely and go with your gut. Great shout. And uh, I think I bet their shots are pretty comparable because both of those guys love to shoot when the ball's at their feet. Let's go to our final question from at chief Roberto He's asking for Tony replacements. I think this is pretty cut and dry, but uh, let's give him some tips. So if you're a manager that has trips, Pope, and then maybe a third defender from Newcastle, or if you had Almiron early doors, then you can't go to somebody like a Calum Wilson. So he would be the number one replacement. Other than that, it's, it's a bit of a barren wasteland, honestly. You're thinking about players like Mitro, if you don't own him, even though he has two tough fixtures, maybe he gets something. Or you're looking at Skamaka. I don't love these shouts, Bucks. It's pretty barren at the moment. So you might even focus on somebody like Solanke, who is getting over his injury. He plays at Leeds and then home versus Everton. That's the only other striker that would tickle my fancy. Yeah, DCL, I think, is a good shout as a differential. He plays. I like that. He plays home versus Leicester, and then he plays away at Bournemouth before the World Cup. He's getting back to full fitness. So he would be the differential. I agree with you, Brian. I think Callum Wilson is the clear-cut, easy transfer move. They're pretty much same price, so that makes a move pretty straightforward. I think Skamaka is just too hit or miss. He's, He's very hot and cold, and right now West Ham are a little bit starved for goals, and Bowen is not fully fit. And I think Antonio will nab a start before the World Cup because he is featuring in the World Cup. So uh, that gives me a little bit of caution regarding Skamaka. So great question, Chief Roberto. If at all possible, Callum Wilson is the guy uh, that you should be moving Tony to. But, uh, you know, what do we know? We're we're not in the number one position in FPL. So uh, uh, we should really be asking some of the other managers in our mini league who they're going with, and we can maybe uh, eavesdrop on their transfer planner. Yeah, I really like the DCL shout, to be honest. Um, I'm not as high on the Everton attack, but just the situation we find ourselves in, we have two weeks to take a punt, and they have good fixtures. So that is really helpful when you're just looking at a short-term punt. It's not going to burn you. We're going to be able to repick our teams in two game weeks. So going someplace like that, if you can't get to Wilson could make sense, but he's very expensive. That's the only other problem with him. He's 7.9. So you're going to have to find another 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 to upgrade Tony to him. And I don't love that. I would save the cash and get Wilson if you can. Speaking of Everton, just to circle back to Owen's question, if you're already tripled up on Newcastle and you have a player like Andreas and you're looking to uh, make some punts, make some bold moves, Anthony Gordon is a player that I really like at kind of that budget-friendly option in midfield. He's recently been playing out of position almost as a second striker for Everton. You know, we like the fixtures for DCL, so they should translate also for Gordon. And, you know, I think... Lester, our defense improved, but I think both those defenses can get got 
And I think, as we mentioned, Everton are really solid at home. So you could bank almost on that clean sheet point for Gordon. So he's, he's easier to fit in than DCL for sure. So that's why I wanted to throw him into the mix as well. 5.4 million point four zero expected goal involvement per 90 minutes. So he's playing up top in, in the three there. So I don't hate that as well. It's hard to really remove Andreas from your team because he's been so nailed for this Fulham side and create so many chances. So I don't know if I'd be rushing to do that, but hey, who knows? Let's wrap this up with our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Brian, you take it away. You're the top manager on this podcast now. No, that's not true, Bucks. You're actually one point ahead of me. So I have a Tony size hole in my squad. I was Super bummed to see him miss out on this NFO fixture because I think that was going to be one where he rewarded us. So I will be removing him, especially because they play Man City in game week 16. I'm just going straight to Callum. I think that's what I'll do before the deadline. At this point, I haven't made that transfer yet, and I've missed a few price rises, to be honest. So that does suck, but I want to have maximum flexibility just in case there's anything else in my side that pops up during the week or during Champions League for further injuries. So that's what I'm going to do with one transfer. Now I want to take some time to chat with you on what I should do with my other one. Part of me had my eyes set on Kane for game week 16, but now that Sun might be out for a week, maybe two, hard to say with with the concussion and how they return to the football pitch, but I'm souring on Kane a little bit, so I might just ride out the Sala who plays Southampton at home in game week 16. And therefore, I'm looking at two moves. I'm either going to, and because I have 1.4 million in the bank, I could just move Andreas straight up to Miggy this week and bench one of Zaha or Mitrovic. And Mitrovic, again, plays City, probably the worst fixture in the league, We just saw Everton clean Fulham. So I'm leaning towards that and then starting Zaha away at West Ham. How do you rank that, Bucks? What what are your thoughts there on what I should do with this extra money? Again, I could move Zaha up to an 8.0, but Saka is injured and then playing Chelsea. So he's not really somebody on my radar. Madison, eh, cooling off a little bit. I mean, Leicester do have... Everton away and then West Ham away. That's not great either. Bowen off of pens. They do have two home fixtures. So if he was in better form, I was thinking about upgrading him, but I don't think I can do that at this point. So what do you think I should do with my second transfer? Yeah, I love that Almiron shout as we'll talk about in my transfer moves. I'm even considering the potential of a hit to make that same move. I just think the upside on Almiron is wild. And the fact is that that Chelsea fixture in game week 16 is at home. That is no longer a difficult defense to play against or to see in the, to see up ahead in the coming game weeks. I would be licking my lips if I am a Newcastle fan. And I would even consider maybe captaining one of their players in this upcoming match away at Southampton. That's how impressed I am with the way that Newcastle are performing. So I really rate that move. If you can, I don't think I really rate that move. And I don't think it makes sense at this point in the season to be banking transfers. I think that because there's so few game weeks, you got to make those transfers and make the changes to your team as soon as possible to get maximum rewards from those moves. So if you have two free transfers like Brian and I, I would strongly advise using both of them this game week and then using the remaining one in the following game week because that is how we maximize flexibility. That's how we maximize potential points in our squad. There's no reason to save it. There's no reason to bank that money for a future rainy day. Inflation is coming and a recession might be coming after that. So spend that money. <laughs> Don't keep it in the bank. All right, so if I do make the Andreas to Miggy move, would you start Mitro or would you start Zaha this game week? Oh, Zaha for sure. Though uh, I'd be nervous about his yellow card, but I think that it's you're probably deciding between a three-pointer and a two-pointer, most likely. So <laughs> it's it's you're not really, there's not much in it. Uh, if you want it to be differential, I would say 
you know, betting on Mitrovic to pluck a goal against City. Um, that's going against the crowd. And I think that could see a big rank reward if that comes off and again you know Zaha if he scores this whatever he's not not a that really racks up bonus points which is part of the frustration in owning him so I don't think you're you're not risking very much to make that move yeah it's pretty close I think that's the only thing taxing me I'll have a bit of a benching issue but I just really believe in this Manchester City team so I think I might go with Zaha just for the clean sheet odds and also like owning owning Cancelo makes more sense to hope for the clean sheet versus play Mitro against one of my starting defenders which I hate to do in, in fantasy so Cancelo is owned by basically like 100% of the active managers in the FPL game so it doesn't benefit you so much this is one of the frustrating things once you get really deep into FPL you start checking expected ownership or Overall, we in it, Bucks. We in it. Yeah, we're we're in deep. We have we have serious problems regarding the fantasy Premier League game. Uh, <laughs> don't tell our better halves, uh, but they already know. So uh, yeah, they it's, know. It's, they know. Yeah, when you're waking up at 4 a.m. to uh, yell at your TV, uh, you know you have something loose up where it counts. But uh, yeah, Cancelo is not a rank riser. He's he's more of a shield at this point. So I wouldn't be too plussed about uh, playing a striker against him uh, for fear that you're going to lose out on Cancelo points because most managers will not be that brave. So I just wanted to get that All in. Right. Brian, right. before I tell the listeners my transfer plans, who's your captain choice going into game week 15? Oy vey, it's a bit of a mixed bag, to be honest. If Holland doesn't play, then I'm going to be in a different situation for this game week. Um, I am going to really focus on what's going to be happening with Holland. I have no idea. I actually haven't given it much thought. I kind of want to go with somebody like Foden if Holland is out, just knowing that he's missed the last two Premier League fixtures and should be quote-unquote well-rested we'll see if he plays tomorrow versus Sevilla in Champions League so maybe maybe uh, Phil Foden might be my explosive punt for the game week interesting I was thinking you might even say Cancelo as a reason why you were thinking of skipping Mitrovic he's on my radar right now on my bus team I'm assuming Holland is going to miss out so I have the armband on Kieran Trippier I'm not going to make the same mistake I made in game week 14 doubting him so he is my captain. Foden is my vice captain because I am assuming that Holland is going to miss this fixture. So um, I have two free transfers. I have 0.3 million in the bank. So I'm a little strapped for cash, but I should mention I had two free transfers. I only have one as of this recording because I made a early emotional rage transfer of Ivan Tony out of my sky. <laughs> I said, get the hell out of here, guy. And I brought in Callum Wilson before the price changes. So I feel pretty vindicated on that move because I would have 0.0 cash in the bank had I waited till this point in time. So feel good about that. Right now I'm holding my second transfer. The plan is to wait to hear updates on Holland and Saka. If Saka is out, I am considering a move of him to Marcus Rashford because I think Rashford will play. Saka will miss out. And then I am assuming that Saka will be rested in game week 16 to protect him for the World Cup because he is a very important player for England and you know Arsenal should be favored in that match regardless so um, I'm just using some big brain theories right now in this point in the season my other move is Andreas to Almiron as my co-host mentioned so eloquently I'm just super confident in Newcastle they're scoring in bunches they look super strong and I think Almiron is the player to own right now. He's so hot that you could even consider ignoring his price tag and strapping the captain armband on his very skinny bicep. So uh, I just I think he's a player that I'm super jealous of one of our mini league mates, Corey Cummings, that he grabbed on wild card, whereas I skipped him. So I think uh, many managers are getting hot to the fact that Miguel Almiron is the player we thought that Jack Relish and Jaden Sancho would be. So he's just super impressive, super in form, and he's been very clinical this season. So I like what I'm seeing. So I rate the move of 
a triple up on Newcastle, however you can come about it. And that's that's my advice going into the end of this episode. Oy vey, Bucks. What are we going to name this this pod? I mean, this has been a Newcastle wank fest. I mean, honestly, we are so high on them right now. And I think uh, rightfully so. But just want to temper our expectations. I'm a little bit uh, a little bit worried about this Southampton fixture. But you can't go wrong with bringing either Miggy or Cal Wilson because they're dirt cheap and they're good picks right, right now. So ride the wave and hopefully it'll deliver us more FPL points. Yeah, we might be on a Callum Circle Jerk or uh, How Sweet It Is, uh, referencing their manager, <laughs> oh Eddie Howe. Uh, but that is Oof. about as corny and dad jokes as I can give in before I have dinner. So let's end the pod. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening, for being uh, following the FPL Blues podcast. If you're following us on social media, we love you. We love all the engagement we're getting from the FPL community, from hashtag FPL USA. Let's let's get some green arrows. Let's let's write the ship for the Bucks barge and for the Brian Choo Choo Chin Train uh, in game week 15, baby. Yeah, I would love to get two green arrows heading into the wild card slash World Cup break. Please make sure to take our captaincy poll on Twitter. We saw a lot of engagement with that last week. We're going to be posting that again on Friday morning. So hopefully you guys can give us your rundown, especially after we hear the updates on Holland's situation. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Happy listening. And happy Halloween, everyone. I hope this was a great game week for all. Talk to you next time.